The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Ah. Wow, there you go. True. Was, Nailed it. There was, Nailed it. There was expertise. <laughs> there was expertise. There was a demonstration it was, prior to that. That was a cork <laughs> yeah. of the road pour, man. Oh that God. was beautiful. Did I do that okay? was Elena on the Shannon Blanc. Oh, my gosh. Hey, everybody. That was a welcome, lot of pressure. Welcome to the Winemakers. <laughs> I'm John Myers. Today, we are with Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey. Our special guest today is Kelly Cornett from A Cork of the Road. You are a wine educator and tasting event consultant, and obviously, you do a lot more too so welcome welcome to sonoma a today prolific wine podcaster yeah absolutely <gasps> i haven't updated the, the business cards since the podcast i think yeah. i need to add new, that on there new we'll post <laughs> new business cards Brian, are you on it okay new business cards right? that's not yeah. digital though he can take care of the digital uh, digital side okay digital side right. of the business I'm card, so right confused. welcome to sonoma thanks hey, for coming on thank you so much it's a great deal. oh this is crazy love to meet you this is serious business your setup here is podcasting times 100. This is this is the best situation and probably more bottles of wine than microphones. So I think we're doing this right. That's, <laughs> that's on brand. On Totally on brand. Kelly, your cat Flynn looks exactly like my cat Davey. <gasps> oh my gosh, do I have cat hair on my coat? Is that how you know <laughs> it? <laughs> like I probably do. I looked at your Instagram account. I'm like, that looks exactly like my cat. Orange cats are the best. Can yeah. we just agree on that? Yeah, they are the best. They're absolutely... Perfect. I was like, I probably have a coat on because the dog and the cat travel with us and they're orange. So if you're wearing dark colors, you're bringing your fur, your fur kitten, right. your fur, everything's coming with you. Travel with, they're, here, they're just the fur travels. Just with the it. fur travels. Yeah, yeah the, yes. the dog and the cat aren't like unfortunately, waiting back in the hotel room. No, unfortunately, but Rooney would love it. Um, driving here today, seeing all of the mustard and the vineyards and stuff. And I'm like, and then oh. you pass the sheep and you're like, that is what a corgi would love to do, romping around in those vineyards with the will sheep you, and the cows. Absolutely. Will you <laughs> please she's cor- do us a she's, favor? There, we're corgi people here, John. Oh, my God. Two. <gasps> you can't just have one. This segment brought to you by corgis. <laughs> Two rescue corgis. There are fifth and sixth. We had them in Chicago and out here. So Molly and Harry. Amazing. Yeah. Harry's a barker. Them. I'm going to have to yeah. meet them. Harry's, Harry's made several appearances on the show. <laughs> There are a lot of corgis in wine country, and last year, we were actually reminiscing about this. We were up in Healdsburg, and we were tasting at Jolie Laid, and there, there was a little... F- oh, yes, Dean! Okay, I'll... That's awesome. We like because I do, that means that you when said When listeners become guests. <laughs> you actually said something correct. I love this. Um, you know you got a ding. But yes, we were jolly late. And then the little corgi that came out was 17 years old. And she's just romping around the tasting room. And I was so excited. I was like, we are in a good place because there's a beautiful little corgi on the ground. So you know you know the wine is going to be great because <laughs> there was a corgi. Corgis are good. They're low to the ground, you know. Right. Quick. Gopher hunters? Uh, I don't know. Are they gopher hunters? I would say they're low to the ground. Treat and affection hunters? They are not mousers, I'll tell you that. (laughs) They're cute. um, That's what they are. Will you do us a favor before you guys leave, though? We'll get to what the hell you're doing here. But um, 
Will you take a picture in in a in some mustard and post it on your Insta and tag us for the uh, Sonoma people love seeing pictures of people out in the mustard. Am I gonna have to like pull off to the side of the road to do this? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. 100%. Really and, the, the, and leave your car partially on yeah, the road. Yeah. The more so dangerous and the inconvenient open, it is for everyone else around you, the I better the tramp, Instagram. Trance along in the in the field. Yes. yes. And oh. yeah. Yeah, Ryan, can oh, oh. you get a video of that? That'd be amazing. Ignore any, ignore any no trespassing signs. Uh, if you see Will Buckland, tell him we said it was okay. Right. <laughs> or whoever you see, just tell him we said yeah. it was okay. Just really make a scene. Totally, hundred percent. Okay, that's that's the mustard vibe. I got it. I can make this happen. And the thing well, is, it it's is maybe beautiful. a little early for it, so you you'll be like, you'll be ahead yeah, of the curve. It's just starting to pop. Right. So yeah. you're saying I'll have like the first person frolicking in a mustard picture of the season of the season yeah, totally. excellent yeah. it in. is beautiful you gotta do it it's fun it's beautiful because when we were driving here it's like everything is glowing and then i just think about it like it just makes the whole valley alive and then you know like this is why things like to grow here to me it just shows me just like this vibrancy of everything so you're like oh i'm i'm in wine country in the spring and it's pretty pretty magical totally it is um the the rain that we you know suffered through <laughs> through december and, and january has made it so like extra verdant and like the tone of the green is just you know in like you know when you like turn the saturation up on your instagram picture it's like it's totally what's what going on there. <laughs> we, we don't no need for the saturation edit right you filter your picture sam uh, you got to soften soften sharpen and soften i don't even post pictures anymore just once just once i'm not supposed to post right. just, <laughs> cynical yeah, just cynical things so you, you say that but you're really good at your instagram page you get some you. really good pictures so you can say that all day but i'm like oh sam like well there it's the it's the places you know it's the places so all right let's do let's do an official oh who the hell are we talking to today because <laughs> Kelly has her own podcast that a cork in the road, a cork in the road that that we all listen to, and and so are we doing a dual thing? Are are you posting this as yours? Are we posting this? We sh- we should. did not discuss this, but I am all in all for right. that. Okay. We this programming mid program, right? Well, yeah. we'll call our advertisers. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, we have to. I have to get my sponsor my people. Like, I have to talk to my people. Right. No, no, <laughs> no. I I actually am very inspired by what you guys are doing for podcasting. I always have been like huge fan. This is like fan circle moment, but. We have a whole different version of podcasting because I don't, you know, I'm not out in wine country. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, but we talk to a lot of people who do a lot of business out here or like drink the wines in Atlanta. And it's like the wine industry as a whole and then connecting it to the Southeast and the people who are making that. So like I'm inspired by who I hear on your show and then I get excited if I start seeing their wines in the market, you know, like it's, it's something I seek out because it's all this wine industry connection through this audio platform that we all love. What was your first episode? Oh, oh gosh, it was. I do remember it was my friend Billy of the Vino Van. Um, she has a company where she does tours up in North Georgia. And I she was a really good friend of mine. And I'm like, oh, well, you have a really cool story. Let's just start there. So I and I don't even know why she did that because I had no experience doing this. I don't even know if I had the right microphone, but she was like, yeah, that sounds great. And you know what? Since then, every guest who is willing to be on the show means the world to me. If you say yes to this crazy experience then i really appreciate it because it is the people that make the show i can't just sit there and talk by myself so it's the people 
on the show. I'm we can sit and talk by we, ourselves, yeah. but I don't think anyone really cares when we actually do that. It's better to have the people. You're right. So thank you for being a person. Well, you guys are a bunch of really good people too, though. So you do make the show. But I think having that first start, and actually, I didn't even know how to upload or do the, like, what is it? You probably all, the RS stream or whatever it is. I honestly had no idea how to get the podcast on Apple or on Spotify. I didn't know. I was just recording it. And then it was asking some folks for help and then realizing, like, oh, this is actually something I can do at home and I don't need to buy the fancy equipment right off the right off the bat. Like I can just start somewhere and start talking to people, practicing conversations. And then I started listening to other podcasts of learning like what I like when I'm listening to a podcast. What's the style? Do you want to I don't want to be interrupting the guests. Like these are, you know, I start listening to that because I'm like <laughs> Should we introduce her to the Podfather? Ooh. That sounds father. Yeah. Sounds well, intense. he'll listen to this show, won't he? Absolutely. <laughs> this sounds really mysterious. I didn't know there was a Ed me, Kelly, Kelly, me, Dad. Ed, Ken. <laughs> All those things that you said um, that none of us actually know how to do, we just record and send. We send a, we send a Dropbox, and, and after that, we don't. makes it happen. Right. You guys are just the talent. <laughs> <We're> t- <laughs> totally. <laughs> Air quotes. Oh, my totally. God. I did not know. I... That is that is a beautiful uh, situation yeah. that you have that, that you just send it's, off your show and have the, it just magically appear online. The lack of talent manifests as talent. <laughs> Fantastic. So wait, what are you doing out here? What am I doing? That's a what. What are we doing, right? Uh, I know no. you guys just had your <laughs> they, anniversary. They came for Pliny the Younger Day. Uh, That's it. That was yesterday. Yesterday we missed it. Well, and, and <laughs> we Big Chicken is going on right now too. What's Big Chicken? Big Chicken is Hen House in Petaluma. That's uh, their answer to Pliny the Younger. And chicken. yeah, if you okay. are into those things. But if you're a beer nut, uh, a hophead. Hophead. I think oh. that's a. Right. I think that's a thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Like well, if that. we miss that, then we have to. We have to have an alternative. But I do right. think we come out here to drink, eat, and enjoy, and see really good people. But we've been coming out here. We were telling. I think for eight years now consecutively. Yeah, I look over at him. He's he's approving. Fact check. Fact checker. But but uh, you I mean, but you are out here for an event also, right? Because I reached out to you, not even thinking that you may have already talked to Sam, but um, yeah, this is I talked to, he's like, talk to my people, but, um, yeah, this is the first time where I'm out here where I'm doing an event and that is so exciting because I serve a lot of the California Sonoma wines at events in Atlanta. I work with a lot of retailers and restaurants to do this, but out here I get to actually be with the winemaker. And tonight I'm doing an event in Petaluma with DRNK, Katie and Ryan Cundy. They're amazing. They're so cool. And they have sold, um, Oh gosh, shameless plug, but I make a I make a bag that carries wine in it, and they sell the they sell those bags, and so we've always kind of had this business partnership. And when I said I was coming out, they're like, "We have a new pop up space in downtown Petaluma. We're just getting rolling. Do you want to see if people will come and and join you for a night?" And I was like, "Yes, let's. I love doing events. Let's do it." So we have. I think the last time I checked, there were like fifteen people that are coming out tonight Sweet. to taste wine, awesome. and like in this new little spot in Petaluma. It's perfect. Do you know what the spot is? It's called the Bagel Mill. And it's Katie's, I think it's Katie's sister that owns it, but they're closed in the evening and they're closed on like weekend hours. So they're kind of doing this duel of like, okay, one business by day, but in the evening they can come in and they got licensing to do their pop-up for their wine. And and that place, the bagels there have gotten a lot of... bagels are really good. Really good. Good gluten-free bagels too for those... Of you who care about those things. Well, right. shoot, I'm going to have to get a bagel when I'm yeah, there. Yeah, bagels are Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a bagel. <laughs> bagel and wine tasting. Next one. 
here for it. Wait, so, where is that place? I don't know. On Western. It's on Google. Right around the, right, like, you know where Petaluma Market is? Yeah. Um, right around the corner from there. Okay. Right on Western. Okay, cool. It's a cool spot. Yeah. It's a really cool opportunity for them because they have a winery and they actually have really cool tastings and yeah, cave they have and a whatever. Cave yeah, and they have the cave tastings and it's awesome and their wines are so great. But I think this will bring a whole nother market just to have like a pop in spot. Like they're going to be able to be there on weekend evenings, which you can't always have that at the winery in the same way. And so they're just going to be able to like bring a whole new audience to their wines. I'm cool. I'm pumped for them. Petaluma yep. has a whole bunch of. Um, tasting opportunities now you know there's um uh there's the new distiller down there um there's three or four tasting rooms right down in the main s space in town um yeah it's pretty cool pedal was a lot hipper shop. than it was when we were there right. brian yeah <laughs> <laughs> everything's always cooler later right. no i mean it definitely is like the next frontier of sonoma winery wine tourism yeah uh, you know the whole downtown Pet downtown petaluma's rad there's yeah. great restaurants uh, yeah know, definitely shout out to street social street social yeah. central market mm -hmm. yeah. so the, the the mystics for sale if you want a 1.6 million dollar nightclub easy why don't we put that together let's do uh, it i i mean it, <laughs> hopefully whoever buys it keeps it because it's a great music venue it really is great music venue. and cheap actually yeah it's actually not that which is terrifying <laughs> it's kind of scary that that's the only that's all i kind of wonder right. what it looks like when the lights are on i've you only been there really and when it's dark right. i don't think yeah. you want to know it sounds yeah. like i've never no. been to this place but you saying that makes me not it's like know. nightclubs you're when you're there at three four o'clock in the morning everything looks super cool <laughs> and then if you ever go back at like nine o'clock in the morning when the lights are on looking for your atm card oh, <laughs> and your dignity <laughs> yeah I think I, I think I saw Morris Day in the time. Oh, <laughs> nice. Doing the bird. So you're saying that Petaluma is a really cool place to be tasting some wine. This is really good. This is yeah. I feel approved. And I feel, val I feel validated. Did, when you guys were talking about a cave, they're using the cave at Kundi? No, no. Oh. Um, Ryan, Ryan is a Kundi, but his wife family owns vineyards in Sebastopol area, and they built a cave before they even had a winery, right? I think so. Yeah, the cave has been there for a while, and they they are just like bringing now more events into that space too. Like they always had guests there, but now they're doing like dinners in the cave and like doing. A, they had a little winter market. Like they're using the space a little bit more, yeah. but it's it's kind of near Sebastopol more. So yeah. this like downtown space for just walkability, people popping in, just trying mm. the wines that they may have never driven out to go find them. Right. I think it's so great. Oh, a lot of you have that of like you know the the Hillsburg tasting rooms and the down here in Sonoma. Like it helps to get visibility on your wines to an yeah. audience that may not drive out to your place. You know, yeah. and I think it's a great place to just like get the word out get these wines into people because they're so good <laughs> and, i mean and they've also made it tough to legally get people out to your places in sonoma county you know it's hard to have a winery or a, a you know an event space that's you're that supervisor in, goran in rural sonoma county um you know there's a lot of uh nimby neighbors uh, moved here for the agricultural <laughs> lifestyle but don't actually want to let the things that support the agriculture <clears throat> happen right or even that that guy Damien who who has that wine shop in Petaluma right next to the Mystic was he's having some challenges right. just like doing tasting right just and, to, you know has that whole loft that they can't use totally right. which would be such a cool spot totally yeah totally have you you left us uh, Avenage a couple doors down from the Mystic yeah we'll have to go check it out before, yeah. in in your Petaluma all trials. right well we're gonna have a little Petaluma evening so you, now it's now it's miss, on the plan you can't miss the Mystic it's pretty yeah. much the biggest building downtown. Yeah. 
that in the seed bank, right? Yeah. <clears throat> this is amazing. Well, thank you for giving me this Petaluma itinerary. I appreciate it. This portion of the program is. brought to you by <laughs> Petaluma Poultry. <laughs> ABC. ABC. <laughs> Petaluma Poultry Council. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what else are you guys doing? Where so you went to Smith Story, obviously. Shout out to um Dusty and, and Allie. Um we love those guys, love the wines, love the love the dogs. Um <laughs> love the whole program with the socks. And I don't know if you got how deep you went. I love the Cab Franc in the Loire style bottle, you know, in the in a burgundy instead of a Bordeaux. Oh, what's the vintage? Nineteen. Okay. <laughs> hey, you just use the bottles you get, right? Right. right. Should we? I think. I, oh, I wasn't okay. gonna open it, but I think we should because it's Cap Franc. I, think we should. I cool. felt like I wanted to bring you something that the only reason I even knew of these wines is because of the winemaker's pot, and I told you this, but honestly, it's very true. When I'm planning an itinerary to come out here and learn about producers, I often go to the list and I'll be like who's been on the winemakers podcast? And I'll just start looking. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I've had their wines before. And I'll just start like looking up how to reach out to them. This was one of those. I, I had never wow. had these wines. I so mean, that's, I, know, I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah. You know, Kelly, for me, that just makes me so happy. <laughs> it's true. It, it's, it's so cool. Cause that's, that's not necessarily what we intended when we started having all these no small idea. producers, but when we started seeing it happen, it just becomes so so awesome you so. didn't expect it but makers podcast travel agency yeah that's well, it well, the friends, nice thing is the it's pod. a, a library tour. Yeah. we really need to do this we have such a library now it's amazing you know i mean how many shows bart 275 like 50 million listeners <laughs> <laughs> how many countries <laughs> how many countries 30 We're coming countries. for you joe rogan <laughs> we do know 30 countries right. levy who <laughs> we're huge in morocco i heard <laughs> number one in turlock <laughs> that's a that's a grateful dead that's an old grateful dead line anyway. um so how did you get into wine Ooh, that's like a philosophical well, I, question. I know that you're like you share wine with your your parents are into it and they're they're like rv lifestyle was it was it your and this is what i gather you on just Instagram. knew that you just knew that my parents have hashtag van life you actually know so, this so, okay I, well know, yeah that's I, true i pay attention <laughs> I pay attention to the things that aren't actually like moving my life forward. I pay attention to everything else. Um, but was it was it like a wine household? Growing up, they had wine on the table and and talked about it, shared it all the time, all the time. My dad. Oh, there comes Ryan for that cap. Front. Ryan with an empty glass. <laughs> it just comes with an empty glass to the table. <laughs> That's perfect. You told him to do that, and he did. It's perfect. Um, but yeah, no, we we grew up with like this, lots of wine on the table. But I also saw my dad using wine in business negotiations. So he was in like software sales in like the eighties and he would host all of his clients and do dinners and he'd be the guy with the wine list and he had to pick it out. So I watched him use wine knowledge as like negotiation, meeting it with business partners and then showcasing the wines and being like, wow, that was a really memorable night with this guy who's my client, but like knows a lot about wine. And I started to see this like beautiful people connection that happened. Like he would have, he'd create memories of people and then the wine was involved and then people would, you know, feel connected to him further on, whether it was for business or just friendship. So I was like, wine is really cool. So I knew that. And then he was taking me out to Napa. Like I was a baby in a backpack in Napa Valley, like coming out here with my parents. But then like 
when I was 18, like one of my spring breaks, like we came out to Napa and did tastings and that kind of stuff. So when you were 21, of course. I mean, when my dad said it was fine, <laughs> that's when we did this. Um, so it was great. So like, and I just watched, I just watched, yeah, yeah. Just, just watched it. I watched just it happen. Smelled. Just smelled yeah, everything. Just smell this. But I, at the time I probably was actually a very, <laughs> mentioned smell. I was a very, very picky eater for most of my life. Mm. We laugh about this because I put my mom through so much trouble with this because I'm like, I only eat beige things. So noodles <laughs> with butter, uh, bread with butter, um, like oh, chips, you know, like I was only eating chicken oh, french fries. Uh, I don't even know if I eat chicken nuggets. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like it was french fries, pasta and bread was kind of the main thing. So the fact that I was even like interested in smelling things that I wasn't even eating was probably enjoyable for my parents to see because they were like, oh, she might end up being okay because right. she's smelling the wine. It's right. fine. Exactly. Right. Because I just was really, I was really picky about it, but I just thought it was a beautiful thing. They traveled for wine. They were sharing wine with friends all the time and I really enjoyed it. So flash forward, I'm in, uh, I'm in college and then I graduated that and I went to grad school in Virginia. And what did you study in college in grad school? In, in undergrad, I went to Michigan State. Go green. Um, go green. Yes. Oh, I got a fist pump. I like that. Um, but Spartans. But Spartans, you know. Yeah. yeah. So Spartans. Spartan, go. go Sparty. I, um, on green. Here we go. <laughs> right. Thank you. I didn't know I was among Michigan State friends. You're, you're not. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but I'm not a I'm not a non-Michigan State right. person. I just you know. We just hosted a huge group from Ohio, so right. We had to be careful. <laughs> don't Ooh. Rob Wyman. Don't listen to this portion right. of the show. Right. That is where that's where a lot of people go, go off. Yes, a lot of people go yeah. off that train. That's well, true. and my wife went to Illinois, so you know she's has no love at all. Oh, she's for a fight Michigan. in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, totally. oh, gosh, this is why I don't ever say this because you make friends and enemies. But the time you say anything about this, I mean, she could be an enemy. That's fine. This is amazing. We're still friends. This is amazing. Well, I do. My mom went to that other school in you Michigan. You went to Kenwood University. <laughs> so you guys, you can make friends and enemies with all of this. I know because my mom went to University of Michigan. So she went to that other school. So I still have to like be okay with Michigan. But I studied exercise science in, in graduate or in undergrad. And then I went to graduate school for exercise physiology to get my master's. So I was at the time thinking I was going to be like the person doing all the preseason testing of all the athletes, like making sure that they were ready for training. I worked with the Michigan state basketball team, the Michigan state hockey team. Like I was in full on like sport science was everything. Like, I was going to work for Nike. Like, <laughs> like that was my goal. Like I'm going to go do Reebok testing, Nike, whatever. So then I went to grad school and I realized like maybe I'm not super into sports as I thought I was. And so everyone in my program was like really like endurance athletes and cyclists and all this stuff. And I realized I just I just kind of want to like walk and like be healthy. So I, I kind of like no, no joke. I had this like epiphany like maybe sports isn't my thing as much anymore. And I couldn't play sport. I was playing basketball tennis and I threw discus and track in high school and I was like full-on sports but in grad school like I just wanted to kind of chill out and just like be healthy and walk so you threw discus I threw discus I'm tall it, it's That's a lever cool. it's a lever thanks for not letting that one slip by oh my god that oh I important. did just kind of throw that in there movie. sorry surprise yeah um so that's they yeah, out no one ever knows it but normally it's like those east german big women that throw the discus <laughs> are you saying that it it helps Brian to be, you're showing your age wait it helps you, you to are. be tall why does it help to be tall it's it's physics my friend uh physics and levers and absolutely it is it's all about like learning the the physics biomechanics of throwing the disc and being tall creates a lot more like leverage and like longer levers longer arms 
it's a whole thing. Okay, and I was really those, good at it. How much do they weigh? It's a technique thing. It is, yes. Yeah, how much does a discus weigh? I don't know how much it weighs. About, like five oh, pounds? gosh. Less than that? Because they're, they're more Compared like... Compared to a bottle of wine. Oh, it's probably similar. I guess I don't know. Look at this science person not knowing how much the discus weighs. <laughs> okay, and then how, <laughs> how far could you throw you. it? Ooh, I, I was throwing, gosh, it was over a hundred. Oh, that's a good question. 117 feet, something like that. Like it was long. I wasn't, I wasn't great. I was not great. You're like, Sam's like, I don't know. <laughs> so if we, got you, out, table if we got you out in the parking lot with this bottle of wine, you could throw it 117 feet. You we could try. We could, we could see. Challenge accepted. Yeah, we're good. It just became a video podcast. <laughs> and then it's going to end terribly when I right. smash a window or something. Right, like, but can you guarantee where it's going to land? Somebody That's walks out of an problem. office to a bottle of Viognier in the head. There's a reason why in the discus they have that big area, right? Like, and nobody walks there. Oh, and it goes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's almost yes. like a baseball diamond. Right. Uh, you know. I guess it's better than a javelin. <laughs> That's exactly I'm actually right. really glad I just casually revealed this secret to you all. I had no idea that we had discus fans and Michigan State fans. It's great. Yeah, I, I actually like sports were my thing, and I was obsessed with it. And then I got I actually tore my ACL playing basketball, so that changed everything. Got surgery, but it's never been the same. No, um, so I just was like, I need to find a way to stay active, and like that's why in grad school I realized, wow, like there's a way to use exercise science and help general population. So a lot of my studies in grad school switched to women and girls and like public health more of like just active in the community and having safe places to walk and bike and all of that. And I was like, Oh, that's a whole nother, that's a, that's a job opportunity. I didn't know I had was like public health. So that's kind of the direction I switched. But at the same time <laughs> we were in Virginia and this was in the late uh, 2000s and the wine industry was booming. Like it was just coming up in Virginia. Like it, like we were backyard to wineries. And so we, on the weekends we'd go taste and like all of my grad school friends, we were like at wineries learning about wine and it was so much fun. So when I graduated, I didn't get a job right away and I needed a break. I was super burned out. Like I turned in my thesis paper and I was like, I don't want to do academics for, a, for, for, for right now. So I turned like, I just was like, what else do I know? Oh, thanks mom and dad. I know about wine. So I picked up a part-time job at the, t at the nearest winery and I was in the tasting room and I just started pouring wine for people and working with the winemaker. And at the time there were 12 people on staff. So it was super, super small. We were making at the time, 3000 cases, something like that. And I got involved. Like I got to do blending. I was doing barrel tastings. I was wow. giving two, like, I just, they literally were like, she likes wine, get her into everything. So like wine and she wants to work. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I, I need a job. I need some money. I'm here. And then I also was like, I love wine. And so I just started like hosting people. I did a lot of the events. We had weddings. So I was doing all of the beverage program for the weddings and the larger events. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And I became the general manager. So is, it is just kind of like happened. Is that winery still there? It is still there. Will you shout it out? They're really great. And actually, they just got a gold medal in the Virginia Governor's Cup, the Cross Keys Sparkling Wine. They're making yeah. a Blanc de Noir. And it's so great. So Cross Keys Vineyards, like I, the winemaker there, he was from South Africa, and he gave me so many opportunities that showed me behind the scenes of like understanding wine production. Like he let me be involved. And I know that doesn't always happen. I was talking to some people actually yesterday, wineries out here, because you can get, you can be in a tasting room out here in Napa and Sonoma and have completely different experiences on your staff. Like how involved you get to be in the production side. Sometimes you're just hospitality, like, right. like, like legit, you're just doing that. Or you get to be 
barrel tasting and blending and making decisions. There was a wine that we uh, it was so cool. We we grew Trigo Nacional, and we were doing a port style wine. Oh dang! Do we nice. get a ding for that grape? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Why not? Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. That's great. Fans of in Trigo. Virginia. In, in Virginia, Virginia yes. Yeah. And actually, a lot of people do grow that. But we were doing at the time just a port style of it, so fortified. It ended up being like 18% ABV. It was great. Um, it was actually really popular, especially around the holidays. But one year, we had a surplus of the Triga, and we were barrel tasting it. And I just looked at my winemaker, and I was like, this is this is really good. Like, can we just can we just bottle this? Can we just, like, legit, can we just make a Triga? And everybody just kind of, like, stood there, and I was like, oh, it's not a bad idea. Okay, yeah, we'll get a new label. We got to do this. Let's, let's do it. So we added a Triga. In like 2000, what was it, 11, Ryan? 2011 was the first vintage of it. And they're still doing it. And honestly, that is so fun for me because that's the involvement that that type of early position in my wine career, like let me see how those decisions are made. And sometimes it's just as simple as, this is really good, we should bottle it. <laughs> like we should bottle this. Those moments where you're in the winery tasting through barrels <clears throat> and a barrel makes you change your plan. Yeah. It just happened. We're going to do a barrel of uh, a cabernet that was going to be blended into something else like it's too good to it's too good to lose it's too good like we have other things we can blend this is like this one barrel that we had to do something else with after and you have those moments and then that that indicates exactly like your new game plan um and i got to be involved in that and i know that's like not always the case if you just kind of start off part-time but like they were letting me weigh in i remember tasting all the barrels and taking notes and this is where well, I wasn't as picky of an eater at the time anymore because I realized I was hypersensitive to this stuff. And I was like taking notes on these barrels and geeking out about it and calling out, you know, flavors and things. And I think that they saw that I was just really enjoying it and nailing like the characteristics of the barrel. So like, why not have her talk about the blending choices or like, it was just such a unique experience at that point. I mean, I was in my mid twenties and I was doing this. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I wonder if you're like food pickiness is just about having a really sensitive palate right but you didn't want when you were a kid you didn't want all like all those flavors because there was too much when it comes to wine that like level of sensitivity uh probably helps mom you hear that maybe that's what it was it was all for good mom (laughs) my mom hopefully will listen to this 10 pounds of pasta a week that you were boiling It all turned out okay in the end, Mom. I'm I like wine. by curry. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I need a piece of bread with butter. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, my senses get overloaded. Totally. But with wine, you picked up all those little all nuances. Those, all those subtleties. I started yeah. to enjoy the crazy smells, yeah. and before they freaked me out. So well, I don't know. And especially when you're barrel tasting, because you taste, you know, seven or eight barrels of the exact same lot, and, you know, on paper it should all taste exactly the same, but there's those subtle differences that make all the world. When it comes to final blends or the direction that the wine is going, right? So right. being able to pick that stuff up. Sam, I, oh. how many bottles will you get out of that barrel? Um, about twenty three. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do um, twenty five cases of magnums. Oh wow! Okay, good. So it'll be uh, twenty five times twenty five times six, one hundred and fifty magnums. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, coming coming to you soon, twenty twenty five or something. Because it was just that good, and you couldn't let it go. Uh, so I mean, it's it's Cabernet that was supposed to go into a super Tuscan style blend, 
and we had one barrel. It's a brand new Terenso barrel that was, and it's just like, it's too good to. I mean, it would make it would it would be great in the blend, but it's too good to you know, too good to lose the singularity of it. I appreciate that. It helps pay for that barrel too. Totally. And the barrel. That barrel was fucking expensive. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I like to hear from winemakers is when we start to really geek out about the barrels because that doesn't always make it to like people that come to my events. They may not know that like you just called out the name of that barrel, but that's because it matters and it makes such a big difference for you. And you're like, that's my favorite barrel. But like it matters, and then it's so expensive too. So you have that, but it's okay to call out the barrels and say why you like them. That's great. I love that. What was it? So, can you spell the name of the winery that we were talking about? Oh, where where I got started, yeah, where, yeah. where where my dreams came true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, Cross Keys Vineyards. Yes. Wait, how do you spell that? Like Cross, like C R O S S Keys, and it was the Battle of Cross Keys was like the battlefield where where this winery ended up now being. Yeah. Civil War. Yeah, Civil War. Yeah, yeah, okay. lots of Civil War history and so, like p- things dug up on that property, like super cool. Like the history in that area of Virginia is incredible. You drive down and it's like all these like Civil War like um, signs of like this battle was here and this was here, and we, I mean, that's just really cool about like Virginia's uh, history, but it's happening all over the state with these wineries there are it used to maybe be like orchard farms or that kind of thing but the vineyards are just in these really beautiful places it's allowing people to get close to like in, on the east on the east coast allowing people to see viticulture viticulture allowing people to get close to the vines and see it for the first time there were often guests at my winery that were coming in and they were like this is the first time i've ever seen a vineyard that's so cool. That's still happening today. It's still happening. So giving people access to that is something I think Virginia can extremely excel at. Have you ever been out to Stone Mountain and dug up mini balls? No. We used to, we used to do that. Yeah. No, I have not done this, Ryan. You wanna? We have to do that next next weekend. We're going out to Stone Mountain. No, <laughs> I have not. But again, like it's all connected to that, like that people aspect and the historical of the places. So I think seeing. Virginia's wine industry at that time and the people that were coming out and enjoying it, I realized that like wine brings people together in a way that a lot of other things don't. So I was in the tasting room and I, anybody could walk in that door and I had a lot of people that were like, yeah, it was their first time. And they were, they were nervous to taste wine. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that, hopefully it doesn't happen when they come to 16600, but I honestly we had to that. Make people nervous. <laughs> people that's totally, nervous. that's the business plan. They're just super fans. Intimidate and their credit cards you. out of their wallets. It's so it's so cute because I, I did have people say that and I was like, well, we're here to drink alcohol. And then it made me um, at that point, this was like 2013, I started to be like, what in the wine industry is making people come here for the first time and say they're nervous? Like, do they go to the movie theater and say that? Like, do they go to dinner and say no? So like, what is it about seeing me at this winery? And it's a, it was a few, it's a, it is a beautiful property and it's stunning and all these things. Is it that people feel like they might say the wrong thing? Is it, they don't know what to buy or how to say the stuff. So I dove in at that point in like my wine career as the manager there, I was like, what is going on in the industry? It got me just like way more. I was hyper-focused on Virginia wine at the time, but then I was like, what else in the industry is happening and how can I help? Like, what can I do? Is it a communication thing? Like I just started thinking like, how can we get more people to be excited about exploring wine instead of nervous about exploring wine? Does the, that make sense? The wine industry 100%. did it self, did it to itself, right? You know, of the seventies and the eighties, you know, it wines, you know, for special occasions. And, you know, the people got that idea that if you don't know, if you don't finish the bottle, it won't be good the next day. And like, we know that's not true. And, and I think that's, you know, trying to compete with Europe and, you know, 
it was just its infancy at the end. Yep, and I saw people come, and then it was like families, and they were coming all the way from D.C., and it was a mix of just everyone could walk in that door. So I loved that about Virginia Wine, and I think it's even just like honestly just exponentially grown since I left, and I think that's really amazing. They also have the Virginia Wine Marketing Office that's based like it's in the government, like it's in Virginia government, and it's like tourism bureau and they're really making it easy for people to get information about wineries and like set itineraries and they have this competition every year that's judging these wines and just putting them up a little bit more on like the quality of what's happening is is very cohesive it's like a community effort to make virginia wine a destination and i love that a lot it was happening when i was there and it's just taken off since it's pretty cool they have a rep for sparkling wine though they i mean we out here we know that they take home medals for sparkling wine I, I remember one year where they had the number one sparkling wine in the united states was it virginia was yeah virginia. Mm, totally. that makes me happy yeah because that's what so at the time when i was there didn't have a sparkling program this is in like uh right outside of harrisonburg virginia which is where ryan and i went to grad school at james madison university so this was like the winery down the road from the university and yeah yeah go yes James Madison. That's um, a second dig. That's my second dig for my schools. I really appreciate this. <laughs> Apparently, I picked some good academic institutions. But it was really fun because... Better than anything I could get right. into. <laughs> it was awesome. Because all the students there, like, families would come. And you could just tell that, like, the, the community was connected to the winery as well. So I just kind of saw this happen of people coming in. And now there's this knowledge base growing in Virginia that's allowing people to just have access to it. It's an access thing to me. And that you can literally just go and most of the time you can bring your dog, your baby, whatever. You can like go to the wineries. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Such an interesting point about, you know, the access of people who never seen a vineyard before. Like, especially, you know, if you live in an urban area, you don't live in California. Right. Um, you know, yeah. How do you have access to that? And to sort of like lower that barrier to entry and not that, you know, I want people to go to Virginia wineries and learn about wine and like vineyards and then come to California after that. But that's kind of the progression, right? I mean, if, if you go to, a, you know, you live in Virginia, your first experience at a winery ever is a good experience at a place in Virginia. You're probably more apt to go, you know, maybe we will spend our vacation dollars and time going you know visiting another wine country somewhere else and you know that's that's totally interesting Even in terms of history it's a progression because that's where it started right. thomas jefferson brought grapes brought vines in from france because right. he was a francophile yeah. i mean but, everyone was drinking sweet wine 70 80 percent of the united states right. back in the 1700s signing a declaration of independence <coughs> what were they drinking madeira and Jefferson knew, like, oh, I've had this other shit over across the pond. Well, you know, the the other <laughs> exactly. I mean, the other thing is, is that the winemaking's gotten a lot better. Like the grape growing's gotten better, the winemaking's gotten better. I mean, a lot of things were planted haphazardly, you know, in the seventies and eighties there. And, you know, people have left here to go there and pursue careers and they've taken that experience. So it's just all positive, you know? That was the coolest part. You actually just like like ding nail on the head because you can ding this is your show. oh ding yeah, i can yeah, ding yeah, yeah. so ding to calling out why virginia is so cool but don't chip those pink nails i won't yeah. no no chip you got a big event tonight don't <laughs> safety <laughs> safety first safety first but i do i'm dinging this because 
Virginia has an incredible influx of knowledge coming in, and it's very international. So, like I said, like at the time I was working for a South African winemaker, there are a lot of South African winemakers coming into Virginia. That is like a really cool community. You're getting French interns that are coming to Virginia because of the access thing, and they can be more involved in the production from start to finish at a Virginia winery than maybe they had access to even in France at the time. So it's like the the knowledge coming to that state for wine is exciting, and it still is. Like it's still it's so so cool. Every time we go back, we try to go back like once at least once a year. We're in Virginia. I look at him. I'm like fact check <laughs> once a year. Um, but we go we go and like every year. Ryan's just nodding and eating tacos and drinking wine over <laughs> there. Whatever whatever you say is true. That's, um, that's a tough day for Ryan. <laughs> I, I just, I just Nothing's new. <laughs> I had to set the scene a little bit. <laughs> it's a very typical situation. It's great. He's happy. But we always try to go back to Virginia because I am always impressed by the elevation in quality that happens every year. It's so cool. And then finding out what grows well. There is a lot of programs from the uh from like virginia tech for example that are elevating how the vineyards are planted and learning like at like enology and viticulture programs that are just one upping every single year what's happening in virginia and i know we're sitting in california and we just geeked out about virginia this is a very typical so, kelly situation but <laughs> so do you know do you know um stone tower i do and so, we went there because I Mike Trash. Yes, yes. I, because you told me right. to go, and I did. Well, because Mike was a winemaker here in Napa Valley for years and um, had family back there, and he moved back there. And the pictures I've seen of that place, it it's there's it's a Napa Valley winery just plopped down in Virginia. Like it's pretty spectacular. There's no shortage of financing there. They also have a, I think it was a pet net last time we were there that really blew my mind. Like that people are being experimental. And yes, the facilities allow for just like a spectacular hospitality experience, right. you know? And I think that's like that, back to Sam's point, of inspiring people to then take another right. wine trip. If they like, if they have a Stone Tower experience, right. then they're like, oh, well, then if I go to Napa, I've done this before. I know how to make an appointment. I know what the, I'm not as afraid. Like they'll yeah, come yeah, out that here. Intimidation factor kind of goes away a little bit. Yes, yes. Well, not in Napa, but not in Napa. here in Snow. Oh. I was. Shit, we were intimidated in Napa yesterday. <laughs> no. Only at one place. Only at one place. <gasps> we'll take that offline. Now I want to know, but we'll figure that out later. <laughs> It was mostly joking. Okay, good. I mean, it was uh, an hour Dude. and a half at a winery. We tasted barrel, didn't see a single bottle of wine. Ooh. I mean, we're, it's a members-only kind of experience. Um, and, you know, kind of literally we went in the delivery entrance. Um, Did you sign an NDA? No, I didn't sign anything. Um, I knew My lawyer was there, but I didn't sign anything. Uh, <laughs> um but it, it was, you know, that would have been a very intimidating experience. Even if you were, you know, had the the net worth to be a member there, um, you could I could see how that would be terrifying. Absolutely. Think about the, the spectrum of experiences you can get from Sonoma to Napa when you come out here. And that's why, like, I get all the time people are always asking, you know, recommendations for when they're coming out to California. Like, oh, Kelly, you go out there a lot. I, that's a loaded question because I have to be like, well, what are you into? What's your speed? Do you like, oh, yeah. how many people do you want? I ask so a castle? Many. <laughs> do you want to see vineyards? Do you want Pinot? Are you a cab drinker? Instagram yeah, pictures in the mustard. That's all I'm Caves. looking for. Right. Yeah, we got lots of mustard. It's very interesting. But that's like, to me now, so when we, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia, 
after living in Virginia. And I realized that I still wanted to have this ability to make access more, you know, just at the forefront. Because I realized in Virginia, like, I can help with that. I can help make people get excited. I can help people get excited about wine. Like, that's what I love doing. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. So I started the little LLC originally at the time in in Atlanta to help like restaurants or retailers that didn't have like wine education staff on, on, on hand, I would like, Oh, I'll do an event for you or I'll host a tasting or I'll promote that you're doing this tasting. Like it was again about like promoting the wine industry and just getting other people excited to come just try it. Like just, just that first initial try. So that's what I still do. Like I still am all about promoting the wine industry, creating opportunities for people to learn about wine, to talk about wine, like to me, the conversation is what's key and it brings more people into the fold. If you have like opportunities to feel welcome to like ask questions and experience wine in a way that you have it, maybe with a certain food or side by side blind comparisons, like people get excited about learning about this stuff right. if you give them the opportunity yeah, to. So that's what I do now. I try to set up events. I try to create access and opportunities to these things um, and working with so many other cool wine professionals because i like to be like look how look what they're doing look at look at their wine program oh my gosh like that's so that's that's the best part for me now <laughs> I, I think one of the most common things you hear when you're like doing a barrel tasting is you have people say well this is better than anything else that they're pouring and and but it's that experience right like you get caught up in the experience and if that helps you appreciate wine more and want to try more things and be open to it then it's a win-win right absolutely more people getting excited about wine is top of my goals like right. i just like i like when people get pumped and maybe it's that it, they, they, they can drink something that i'm not drinking like i don't you don't have to drink what i like because i like some weird stuff so you don't have to drink what i like but i want you to be excited about what you're drinking and feel empowered when you're at a restaurant to pick something off that list and know why you chose that say oh well i you can describe even if it's structure or flavors or a region that you discovered because you came to one of my events like you go somewhere else and now i send a little bit elevated education base to my friends in the wine industry that's kind of what it's become now is like getting people excited giving access so then they become empowered consumers going forward like i love that to me that's like that's so, where we're headed so do we. yeah, yeah that's exactly where we're gonna send, we I, need a kelly out here right, right. <laughs> what are we doing right now i mean put down that <laughs> white claw motherfucker the, yeah, yeah. But, this is this is amazing like everything you're talking about is what we talk about is just getting people to try wine right um and and not talking down to them and not intimidating them it's just creating that experience for people just to just to know that you know at the end of the day it's a beverage um we're drinking a beverage um, a really good beverage grapes right yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't have you don't have to be intimidated by the guy in the suit come to the table you don't have to be intimidated by going into a cave and tasting out of the barrel no i uh, say this i say this with confidence and you're, you're i love that you agree with me on this but I, this doesn't mean that there are still places that i don't get nervous there are, de there are definitely sure. some wine situations where i'm like oh, like i got i get intimidated about stuff or like i don't want to say the wrong thing like that still happens to me but then i have to take a little bit of a step back and be like but why wait this is not this is this is the opposite of your goals you know step back why is this making you feel this way again it's people it's connection it's the wine it's the alcohol like enjoyment like enjoyment is at the center so i always have to kind of like regroup and get back to that mindset if i get nervous in a situation hey yeah. kelly what sorry you guys um kelly what is the what was the wine culture like in atlanta 
and and what's going on in in Atlanta now with the wine culture, you know? Oh, it's so exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. I'm like, where do, where do I start? Oh gosh. How, how much time do we have? How many bottles? Because I get, I get really pumped oh, now. Yep. I'm counting. We're in the double digits, right? Um, I get really excited about it. And this is, that's where the podcast, uh, has really allowed for these conversations because it's letting people in their own terms. Like I, I sit back and you ask me this question. My opinion is that the Atlanta wine community is so incredibly inclusive. It's exciting. People are bringing in new things to the state that have never been into the state before. There's a lot of effort with that right now. I'm excited about the education level and the access. That's exciting. That's just me. I can sit back at home and be like, I love what's happening in Atlanta, but I don't always know if that's how other people feel. So it's been really awesome on the podcast to ask a lot of my guests that are in the industry, like, how do you describe the Atlanta wine community to other people? Because I just want to know if it's, if it's anywhere what I'm thinking. And the coolest part is that usually it is. There's always this, it's diverse, it's welcoming, it's community first. Like that's what a lot of people have said on the show. So that's not just, that's not just Kelly's opinion. That's a community thing there, but I do think it's happening. And I love seeing people be creative about the types of delivery of wine that's happening. For example, like events that are music and wine pairings, or like I have a friend that's doing, it's called Taste the Playlist. It's hip hop pairings with wine throughout an experience. Like that's happening in Atlanta and it's bringing a lot of people that didn't know about wine, but they're connecting, whether it's through music, through fashion, through dance, like whatever, they're finding wine because of their other interests. And there are people that are making an effort to create those types of events. It's so fun. It's so fun. I love it. I thought, oh, I just sounded really Minnesotan when I said that. Sorry. There's been a couple of moments where I was like, oh, that's right. Michigan, Minnesota. I skipped that part. I guess the I just gave it away. But yeah, I grew up in Minnesota. You know, up there I did. I grew up in Minnesota. We have a couple listeners from Minnesota. Oh, well, I hope, hope you guys are enjoying the snow up there right now. Yeah, hey, dear. <laughs> we're we're well, well represented in the upper Midwest. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the 30 countries that listens, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're right, Kelly. Collaboration's cool. Minneapolis is and not a state, it's, Sam. It's fun when other people are, when you're sharing the experience. That's when it's most fun for us, too, is when we're sharing what we're doing. It's not just us sitting alone at the end of a shift drinking a bottle of wine in our garage. It still can be exciting. You can, as long as you share it on Instagram, you're sharing, right? <laughs> right. Sharing on Instagram. But sharing a bottle of wine with someone is a completely different experience. And then when you bring other people into the fold to create an actual experience, then that's that's where the magic happens true magic like yeah. i've been sitting at events and oftentimes like i like to go to my friends that are putting these on and be like just kind of sit back and take it all in because that's when i do see that magic is happening like yeah. if you're if you're hosting the event sometimes you get caught up in it and you're just you're too busy running around making sure that things stay on the road um but when you actually are just looking around and you're like wow like th look at the people in the room this is wonderful like this is so fun to see like people having conversations that normally they wouldn't have run into each other on the street and had that conversation. Like that happens around wine. And we all probably have some sort of love for that that happens around the table. And I see it all the time, but I will say accelerating in Atlanta is that aspect. I also see, I was talking about this the other day at a, at a place here in California of like the, the retail scene in Atlanta, like these locally owned shops, a lot of them women too, really cool. They're doing, really amazing things at a retail shop. So it's allowing people that comfort to shop locally and go to a wine shop instead of the grocery store, which is fine. Like you can shop wherever you want, but those places are allowing again, access to have people go and be like, I've never been to a local wine shop. Cool. There's one now in my neighborhood. I guess I'll go see like it's 
really cool. Well, and they have more chances to discover other wines than just what's on each shelf at the grocery store. Yeah, right? and the knowledge of the people that are working in those right. shops right. and saying, you know, what do you like? Asking questions of the guests and then keeping track of what they're buying so then you can recommend. Like, I was actually just texting with one of my wine shop friends this morning, Perrine. She's amazing. I, I had a wine last Shout night. Shout out, Perrine. Shout out, Perrine. She gets a thing. Yeah, what's the shop? Perrine's. <laughs> Perrine's. And where, where is it? It's in the west side of Atlanta. Cool. I know. 25% discount if you mention this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Freen. <laughs> where's my lawyer? Only on oh, cases. God. Only on cases. Oh god, where's my lawyer? Oh my god. No, I I did text her though because this is this is again this is the local wine shop helping. So I had a really cool wine last night at dinner, and I'd never heard of the producer. So I just texted my friend. You know, she works at a, she's owning this wine shop. I love her French wine knowledge. I just text her a picture. She's looking it up. She's seeing if we can find it. Like that's the type of relationships that you can have at a local wine shop in Atlanta. Like you, if you if you go there and you actually like have conversations and discuss what you like, what you don't like, that's what happens. It's so it's so neat. And maybe I just don't know if that happens in like Alabama too. But I'm saying in Atlanta it's happening. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. I, I did um, a modicum of research before this, and I found an article. A what? A tiny, a tiny little bit. Oh. Right, we have academic <laughs> people. I'm pulling out I mean, some SAT words. I would say, Sam, that's... I'm like, yeah. I went to Sonoma what High, not Petaluma High, you guys, you, all right? What kind of machine <laughs> do you use to do a modicum? What? A computer. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and there was... There was a a taste Atlanta maybe was the art was the publication it was an article about like an interview of you and there was one answer where you just like listed off this all these small little wine shops and bottle shops and it just like blew my mind that this is you know this is what's happening in Atlanta so I'm excited about well that. the the reason why I asked is because the great Hardy Wallace right started <gasps> as a Everyone collectively. Exactly. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, nicely done, <laughs> Kelly. You know who would really like that? Somebody who studied, you know, sound and and rhythm all his life. Shout but Hardy but Wallace. Hardy started right. his blog in Atlanta, right, the Dirty South Wine. Yeah, and just being a wine lover, you know. Yeah. And look how far he's taken. I, it, so. I mean, I was gonna ask, like, what is it about Atlanta that allows for sort of this wine community? You know, from the Hardy Wallaces to the Kelly Cornets to. Right. Um, you're just, that is a, not the same level. That is not an equal. That give is it, not an give equal. it time. Give it time. Uh, you will be wearing some really ridiculous eyeglasses soon. I, I, I believe in you. Uh, but like, what is there, what's happening there that allows for this community to thrive in the way that you're describing? I think it's the, I, I, I'm going to, this is probably like a cop out answer, but it is the people because right. it's the, it's the people that love wine and they may have, they may have studied in another market. Like this is a really cool thing. An example of like, people coming in and it's the people making it happen. Um, I just had him on the podcast. So shout out Steven Meyer. He started a new import company, Bon Vin, but he worked in Manhattan for years with Skernick and he was working with all these wines and he comes to Georgia and he's like, they're not here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, ding, ding that one. We'll like just, yeah. we heard that Skernick gets a ding. Um, but he, he was like, wow, these are not in the state. And, uh, and finding out kind of the legalities of why it's difficult for smaller producers or why a producer has never looked at Georgia. So really investigating what are the barriers and then trying to lower those barriers to entry and bringing 
people and producers into the state that have never been in Georgia. Like, it's actually really cool. And that's just the beginning of it. But I think it is, it's people saying, wow, I really like what's happening here. The restaurants are killer. Like, we have a very educated group of wine consumers because we have all these places where you can do tastings and events and we have wine educators. So there's a new wine school. My friend Chelsea Young just opened the Enophile Institute. I love it. Shout out Chelsea. Like there's, there's access to education. There's access to these wines now. And I think it's getting people excited and that allows people to put on events because guess what? There's going to be people that want to go. Like they want to go, they want, they're going to buy a ticket to an event about wine because they like learning about wine. And the good restaurants haven't been so shabby in the past. They've had good wine lists. Yeah. Pretty decent. Yeah. I remember being at the Buckhead Grill and it was, it was excellent. Yeah. Ron Bauer for everybody. Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) It's really fun to hear that you are noticing that. Like I know that like, the wines you can always a lot of people out here and people have been on the pod friends of the friends of winemakers pod you can buy direct you can dtc a lot of the wines and so when i hear about them and they're not in the market i'm so glad that i can still just like order and ship to georgia like thank you to everybody who allows for shipping to georgia like it has given me access to small producers when i meet them or find out about them but what i really like is that there are definitely there are efforts on the legality side of it to bring those types of wines into the market officially like that's happening in georgia and it's that's a collective effort too i just think it's really neat free the grapes free free, free them the all grapes. free the grapes.org free the grapes.org make a donation be a member yeah that's what keeps that Kelly, we're going to give your contact information to freethegrapes.org because they're looking for people locally that want to help push the agenda. I just like the the phrase, free the grapes. That sounds, that's a yes. That's that's an obvious yes. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Well, you should look at the website first, by the way. Okay, well, I'll do my research. But it's an obvious yes. It's an an awesome organization that is, you know, that um, really has pushed for the DTC in all the states that, you know, that they can um, and keep you know keep it on the agenda and are the the lobbying efforts for the small producers and the consumers who 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 dig that um, against these you know the lobbying efforts of the big conglomerate distributors who don't want us to ship wine to people. It's just it's right. common sense. It's right. a legal product if right. you're 21 or over, even in some states younger. If you have money and you see a website that has a product on it and you have the money to pay for it. There's no reason why you can't get that shipped to your house. It's moronic. Fucking hate it. <laughs> How do you really feel about it? Free the grapes. Free the grapes. Free the grapes. Brian, I need that on your t-shirt. Next time I see you, I want that on your shirt. You got it. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm excited to go to Atlanta. Yeah. I've only flown that's, through. That's the... Uh, oh... Should I just drop? I got it? family all. Right. Well, you and you and Paul are going to be our our mans in GA. Uh, was we're finalizing. It's not like 100, percent but hopefully by the time the show comes out, we'll okay. have a and my uncle's rolling distribution in in Georgia. He'll tell us all the good restaurants and perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Between between Kelly and are you kidding? Right. Yeah. We got it made. Totally. <laughs> Come 16, on down. We'll eat some really good food and we'll drink some really killer wine. Uh, that's um, pretty much how to get me anywhere. So. Okay. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> Wait, I forgot. I left out the tie dye part. We'll put on tie dye. Okay, okay, I mean, that's okay. not a. It's not a requirement, a but suggestion. it is. It is preferred. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's I've noticed. I love it. Yes. Um, can we shout out some of the wines we've been sitting here drinking? 
Sam, you're the only one that can really speak to this. Uh, that's the just bottled 2022 16600 uh, Rosé Agale. Uh, 75% Grenache, 25 Moved from the Steel Plow Vineyard. Freaking delicious. That being Pairs with spicy is pork singing. tacos. Pairs with spicy pork yeah, from the farmer's market. Store. It's good. Yeah. Steel Plow Viognier is singing right now. Well, that's actually why Kelly and Ryan are here. Is for the Viognier. We always yeah. come to 16600 yeah. for the Viognier. <laughs> always. <laughs> I think I've had you. <laughs> I'll be on your show as long as you bring some Viognier. <laughs> I also say I'll order your wine if you swap in a Viognier. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's happened. <laughs> Ryan's that's on the move happened. for another glass. Ryan heard Viognier and oh, he right. came to the table. Ryan popped up for the Viognier. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's tasting great. Steel Plow Viognier. Bart brought a little 18 uh, Shannon Blanc. Let me try that. I guess Bart makes Shannon. Bart, I had no idea. Let me try. Wait, what? Still making it. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey loved it. <laughs> Poor Oprah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finally, she's going to catch wind of this. Right. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be a cease and desist letter on my front doorstep. All right. We'll all be, we'll all be in Oprah town. Um, he just made rosé of our glasses. And then thank you for bringing the, Smith you know, Story. shout out to Ali and Desi at um, Smith Story. By the way, they're they're doing a winemaker dinner at the Fairmont this year. I don't know exactly what the date is. It might be May or June or something, but um, I highly recommend going to that. Um, oh, and we opened up uh, one of the wines oh, from Adelaide. Um, from uh, Chris Cherry, Villa Creek. So Ooh, that was uh, Petit Sirac Carignan. And what else is in there? Mavedra. And Moved. Um that we picked up at with Eco the, Farm with the Eco with the CCOF badge and the Demeter Biodynamic certification yeah. on the back. So yeah, Chris Cherry just kind of popped up at Eco Farm. Did, did, I think you came in and I, I was setting up our table and he and, didn't like have a table, right? No, he just he showed goes, up with wine. He goes, and I was like, hey, can he I goes, pour? Yeah, he goes, yeah. you got any space? Want to pour wine? I'm like, no, we have a table. Right. But I think submitted there's a, months there's ago. A table over there. I haven't seen anyone setting up, so he just went and like That's so awesome. set up a table. I mean, if you got wine and you're willing to give it away, yeah. nobody cares. It's eco farm, right? Right. It's yeah. a bunch no. of you know. It's a bunch of organic farmers. Right. It's the most fun, least productive wine tasting we do all year. Like nobody's gonna. Maybe some people buy bottles. Okay, you know, some people have come to the tasting room because they taste. But the most part, it's people who are organic farmers and don't have the finances for buying you know fifty dollar bottles of wine, but right. are yeah. stoked to be there tasting. You know, to the entire room, every bottle in the room has to be from organic grapes. Yeah. yeah. So Speaking cool. of wine dinners, I missed what looked like an amazing one with the Auditette dinner. That, that I was I was stocking all the photos because I was very jealous. That looked amazing. Oh my gosh. We're about to do. You'll probably miss it too. Oh, uh, <laughs> thanks. February twenty third. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll be here. All Rossi. All Rossi ran too. All Rossi had a Magnum sixteen seventeen homage blanc Magnums, and then I don't know what brands got queued up for the. Like 13, 14, 15 or something like that? Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Adam Magnum's. Cool. We don't know the menu yet. Uh, so we were texting earlier. He's working on it right now. Okay. Does the wine dictate the menu or will the food dictate the wine? Chef was here the other day tasting through the wine. So then he takes notes and then he decides what he's going to do. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but not stuff that's on the normal menu. He always he likes to do stuff that he doesn't normally get an opportunity to do in the restaurant. So um, it'll be fun. <clears throat> Unique stuff. And uh, I got it. Yeah, I got to go. Off. Should we should we shout out the thing that you're doing? <clears throat> so I'm heading over to the Fairmont just to go do like a walkthrough because um, we're doing on April 1st, which is a Saturday, April Fool's Day. 
basically a grand tasting of all Rossi wines farmed by Phil Coturi. Um, white wine in the morning and red wine. White in the wine in the morning, rosé lunch, red wine in the afternoon. Um, hopefully, Bart Hansen will be involved. We haven't. Well, there's still some hammering out to happen. Yeah. But uh, put April first on your calendars. Sounds yes. like it hasn't been cleared yet. No, it's been cleared. I, they even they they oh, keep no, sending no. me a bill, so that's <laughs> what I think it's real. Yeah. yeah. But we got to go do like a walk. Uh, what's the date sure again? That... April first. April. Well, the, 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 is it really going to happen, or the is working it like, the working uh, working title April Fills Day? April Fills Day. <laughs> oh my god. That's really good. It has to happen. It has to happen because marketing happens. genius because, yeah, because, says because over here. Because you have a bill. Because there's a bill. Because <laughs> we're pot committed. So it'll be hundred tickets. Wait, we got to get a picture real quick okay. before some Instagramming. Should we just wrap the show? Does Ryan want to take the photo for us? That's what I'm here for. Right. He's the digital right? marketer. He's the yes. He's the digital. Here, you can take it there. Classic. You can, we can do it quickly. We're doing, we're, doing it we're doing an on-air Instagram yeah, photo. Yeah, oh my live, gosh! All right, real. there'll be just like two keep, seconds of silence. Keep, keep talking so there's not dead air. All right. I <laughs> he's will. working on his phone. He's getting it. Um, play by play? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is always fun. You know, I mean, getting a group shot. We don't have enough. So, one, two, three. Can't smile and talk, Ryan. Come on, come on. I think you can't million. laugh, however. I think he's taking a million. Are you in portrait portrait mode? Do a fun one. Cheers, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. He's a pro. Much Can you tell? Do you think exactly. he's a pro? I need him to take that mustard photo. That's exactly. what's gonna happen. Well, you just saw him. Yeah, just, made, he's now an Instagram. Did you see how well he did? Just drive out Highway 12. It's really easy, Kelly. Good to see you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you, Brian. It's so Super good to cool. see you too. And yeah. thanks for what you guys do on the air. It makes me feel connected to California all the way in Georgia. I get to tune into your show and feel connected. So awesome. thank you. I love, love it. it. Love it. The country of Georgia. Now we country go to of Georgia. 31. Where winemaking was born. <laughs> oh all right. my gosh. Cheers, well, y'all. Thanks so much, Kelly, for being on the show. We really, truly appreciate it. Do you want to give a shout out for all, all of your contact information? Oh, sh- oh gosh, sure. Thanks. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of in a, in a right, beautiful on vacation mode. I'm in vacation mode, but I'm in a dream world because I'm sitting at the podcast table with y'all. It's been awesome. Thank you for having me and geeking out about wines all the time. Um, yeah. So I'm a cork in the road at a cork in the road on all the socials, www.corkintheroad.com. Um, I have a newsletter that goes out. I try not to spam people. It's like once or twice a month with like the upcoming events, but there's a lot of things happening in the spring that are more like, like, a, I don't know, media related. We have the big high museum wine auction coming up in Atlanta. So a lot of California people will be in town for that. So look me up if you're in town for high museum. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I welcome anybody who wants to know what's going on in Atlanta. And then the podcast is a cork in the road and you can find it on all your streaming platforms. <laughs> and what other social media do you do? I'm really just on Instagram. Just Instagram Facebook, is kind of my there? focus. Facebook a little bit because I put the events on there. Um, and well, that's then, where boomers get it. So, oh, <laughs> so if you want to talk to the real wine drinking audience, that's us. <laughs> Noted. Go to Facebook. Okay. Got it. Um, no, it's been fun to just connect. I, Instagram is my favorite cause it's super visual and I like the, I like that media outlet for visual, like visual at wine tastings. You can also do the audio and then with the podcast though, that's where it's at. We all know we love that wine podcast world. So right. that's where, that's where I put a lot of my time into. It's a fun thing to do, isn't it? So fun. So yeah. Fun. Well, 
much appreciated. Bart, any other shout outs? No, I think that's it. We've, <laughs> uh, we've lost half of our um, staff here. Well, um, they had, they had, uh, yeah. Other things to yeah, do. I'll just say good. that. It's Secret assignments is what we always say. Right. So. We always reference those yeah. things. So. Well, okay, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Winemakers. We will see you next week. Peace and love. We're out.